0: If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 150. Amen. That's Psalm 150. Please follow along as I read it to you. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's right. What an excellent way for the Holy Spirit to conclude the book of Psalms in our King James Bibles. What a short, power-packed message of instruction from the living God to His chosen people concerning His praise. This psalm, although only six verses in length, contains 13 explicit commands which address every creature, both those who dwell on the earth and those residing in the heavens, directing directing them to praise their Almighty Creator. Verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. The God of the Bible strongly desires the praises of His people. Right. Here He commands it specifically, just as He does in many other places throughout the Holy Scriptures. It's to be understood from this verse that the praise of Jehovah is to be offered corporately. This is one of the countless things I love about our King James Bibles. The word ye in the verse shows the discerning reader that more than one person is being addressed by the command. It's right. Otherwise, the verse would say something like, praise thou the Lord. Right. Praise ye the Lord. It was corporate command then, and in that aspect, not much has changed under the new covenant. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, said in Matthew eighteen twenty, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Amen. So if Jesus is God, and Jesus said that he would be in our midst this morning as we gather together in his name. Then essentially God is saying that he will be in our midst this morning. And that's a humbling thought. Let's praise His glorious name for it. Furthermore, we are instructed by the beloved Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews to assemble ourselves together on a regular basis to praise our God as a body of believers. Our Lord is so gracious to us that He doesn't just stop here in this psalm with the command, but He goes on to tell us both how and why to do it. Praise God in His sanctuary for the people... To whom this psalm was originally written, the sanctuary was found in the Lord's holy temple in Jerusalem where Jehovah once dwelt on earth. It is also quite remarkable to me that even though all, nearly all of the 135 occurrences of the word sanctuary in our Bible refer to this place inside the, the, the tabernacle or the temple, the very next one in our Bibles that we find after this verse is used to allude to the coming Messiah in Isaiah 8 which says sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Let him be your dread and he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Amen. You see, brethren, according to 2 Peter uh, 3, there's coming a day when the Lord is going to burn all this up with fervent heat. Right. The good news to those of us who are adopted children of our Heavenly Father have a God-given sanctuary in Jesus Christ. Amen. He is our refuge and Redeemer. Amen. Let us praise Jehovah boldly and faithfully within the secure confines of this sanctuary, that is, the sanctuary of our position in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brethren, everything Christ did while he was on the earth praised Jehovah. And by praising Him and worshiping at His feet, we are in turn praising and worshiping the Father in heaven who sent Him. Again, more specifically concerning the Lord's praise and how it's to be offered in a New Testament church, Paul exhorted the Colossians, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, Amen. singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Right. Now we're getting somewhere. I wonder why he said singing and not playing. Can the Word of God dwell richly in all wisdom inside of a hollow box with strings attached? Mm -hmm. Uh, Can it inhabit the sounds that such a box can produce, even if they're pleasing to our flesh? Well, now I can be the first one to inform you all that a distorted guitar chord blasting from a stack amp at a hundred and seventy decibels can't admonish anyone to do anything except evacuate the premises in order to prevent permanent hearing damage. And I'll have more on that in a few minutes. Verse two, praise him for his mighty acts. We see here that God is telling us some things for which we should praise him. Which of his mighty acts would you like to praise him for this morning? For his magnificent creation of the heavens and the earth for the fact that he delivered Moses and the Israelites from Pharaoh and then utterly destroyed that man and his armies in the Red Sea? Right. How about for strengthening David's hand to slay Goliath? All of those things are worthy of his praise. How about the fact that he took on human flesh in the incarnation of his beloved son, Jesus of Nazareth, and then died a sinner's death to save his elect for their sins and the consequences of eternal judgment in the lake of fire? Amen. I, for one, would like to praise Him for the fact that He used that same power that it took to raise His Son from the dead to cause me to be born again into His Holy Spirit. That's right. The simple fact that I can praise the Lord and that I desire to praise Him at all makes Him all the more worthy of my praise. Amen. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. This is another crucial element in how the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob desires to be worshiped. He is greater than anything that our feeble minds can imagine. Oh, that's right. He excels every in everything that he does. His works are perfectly designed, and all his judgments are true and just and right. Amen. Psalm forty seven, two says, For the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. Right. Does such a God as this deserve to be represented on earth by a congregation of sloppily dressed irreverent, Starbucks-drinking, sandal-wearing, effeminate belly-worshippers to the sounds of rock music? God forbid. Amen. Our, Lord, our Lord deserves our utmost respect and holy fear. We should wear the best and most modest things that we have to His assembly Amen. and approach His worship with as much zeal and fervent passion as possible, for He is worthy of our best effort. That's right. So let us sing to Him this day with our might, because that is how we worship Him according to His excellent greatness. Verses 3 through 5, I'm not going to read those again for the sake of time. But as we approach those verses of this psalm, we must do so according to their context in order to keep from resting them to our own destruction as a congregation. We must be mindful that they were originally written for the children of Israel under the Old Covenant. Such New Testament scripture search the New Testament scriptures and you'll notice there isn't a single mention of using instrumentation in corporate worship of the Lord. Right. Jesus and his disciples certainly didn't do it. Uh, both Matthew twenty six thirty and Mark fourteen uh, fourteen twenty six say exactly the same thing. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You'll notice that later Paul told the Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Trust me, brethren, if anyone has taken verses 3 through 5 of this psalm out of context in this congregation, it was me. I dedicated the better part of my life to learning, writing, recording, and skillfully performing contemporary Christian rock music in hopes of winning the loss for Jesus. And for those years, I have nothing to say except, Lord, I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not. Followed by, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. And just in case anyone listening to my voice is wondering, the Word of God certainly knows the difference between the words play and sing. That's right. They are not used interchangeably, and one does not always accompany the other. When King Saul was troubled by a spirit, an evil spirit from the Lord, he said, provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Right. He didn't say sing. You see, brethren, instrumental music certainly has its place, but it's not inside a New Testament church service. Amen. Much more can and has already been said on this topic by much more capable men than myself. For anyone wanting further information concerning this subject, I strongly recommend that they read the documents concerning it on our church's website. Uh, It brings us down to verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Again, the psalmist ends the song with the idea that everything owes a debt of praise to Jehovah. Just like in all the other hallelujah Psalms, which include Psalm 146 through 150, the last verse ends the chapter where it began. This shows us that praising our God is a never-ending cyclical action. His children will get the eternal privilege of singing praises to our King. Can you imagine what it's going to sound like when 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands of voices unite to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, until then, let's praise Him as best we can in these frail bodies as, as much as they will allow us during our corporate worship while we sojourn here on this terrestrial ball. Amen. Amen. May the Lord be praised. Amen. Amen.